0: melbourne a lot and i could see
1: myself like living there should just come yeah we're like the, the
0: well not now i don't know i'm like but... afraid to live in australia to be honest like there's like you know anti-asian racism everywhere oh, before yeah. the before covid but um my impression of australia was that because they're more like the us in their politics and or in your in terms of like who's leading the the federal government mm. Um, I'm like, afraid to live in a place like that.
1: Yeah, that. it's getting worse in the last few years, like. I'm sure, yeah. You've probably seen those videos of like that, those two Asian girls getting bashed up and all the hitting yeah. and slurs. But it's happening
0: here too, so I can't really like, like, I mean, my friend, like, I, I've spoken to friends here who are, you know, of Asian descent, and many of them have told me about how they experienced, um, like, like public instances of like racism for the first time in their entire life of living. I mean, Toronto is very diverse. You know, it's like I grew up in the U.S. and I lived in a very white area in the United States, and then we moved to Canada.
1: Whereabouts? In the US?
0: Uh, where in the U.S.? Oh, I lived in um, in upstate New York. Uh, oh, the capital yeah. state is
2: Albany. Albany.
0: Yes, so I grew up in Albany, oh. I got his PhD when we immigrated uh, from China and the immigration process was just insane for us, like it was so hard and we, my parents essentially gave up and they were also worried about like my uh, school, like going to university and we were very pro, like very poor, sorry, like we did not have money to pay for like an american education and i would have had to get like either go into serious debt or uh have to get like good enough marks that i would have to get a full ride um year in in order to even go to a good school and they wanted me to go to like one of the best schools in the country so it just wasn't
2: what school was that
0: well i mean when i was eight years old we went on a trip to boston where they took me to mit and harvard you know <laughs> whole Chinese wow. parents yeah and there's like pictures of me standing on the harvard campus like that was their dream they wanted me to go yeah
1: because I, I was um, I, I worked at peking university for a bit and every day nice. you see like little kids and get taken to their parents and the kids like oh like, you know you gotta go to this school um, to the kids, I'm just like that's so weird. And the kids are like five or six, like oh, I ate like you. I'm just like, Geez, mm. the pressure. And the pressure is a lot. There. Yeah. And I don't know if it's even worth
0: it. I feel like it's just marketing. I think that like um, the American education system is really bad.
1: And, yeah, it's connections, uh, networking. That's just, you- I mean,
0: like I, yeah. Even beyond reading what stuff, the stuff that's happening in the news, it's like uh even before like the last few years like when i moved i moved to canada about halfway through high school and it was i'm quite old so uh you were shocked to find out that i'm 35 so
1: no I, no regan's close yeah, that's not close? old 34 34,
0: yeah. 34. okay and cool. i'm 27 you're not old we're, we're around yeah, the same we're range, like, range yeah we're the same range <laughs> a lot of my friends are late 20s as well yeah like, exactly
3: yeah same. Like, so I'm, a,
0: used
3: to, I'm used to being the oldest on in, in the room <laughs>
0: exactly exactly uh and i i think i act quite like babyish to be honest so most people can't tell that i'm like this age because i feel like i'm quite juvenile um but yeah we moved to canada in 2000 just before 9 11 actually we kind of like I feel like the U.S. like was always, like I would say the U.S. has been shitty since like, you know, the beginning of the 1900s, but really yeah. started, the beginning of the end was 9-11. Everything from that point on, Y2K era was just a plunge into further and further disaster.
1: It's and I mean, yeah. it's always been yeah. <laughs> Since the start yeah, it's the always started.
0: been shitty. I mean, my mom was treated terribly by US immigration. I still have a memory of going mm. to um the like the consulate in uh Beijing when we were when I was like a child and my mom taking me to like go to her visa interview and how degrading and indignifying the yeah. experience was. Are, are you coming you like you're
1: from Beijing or
0: no? no we're from uh so my mom is uh from xian so that's where i was born oh Um, nice yeah yeah so and then my dad is from wuhan so yeah yeah, my my dad moved to xian to study he was uh studying at uh yeah uh it's like the northwestern university in in xian and that's where they met and they got married and then uh you know, they always wanted to immigrate to the US. Um, my dad really doesn't like the Chinese government. Like he really hates them. And um, my mom's side of the family has also experienced persecution from the Chinese government. So when I told them I wanted to move back to China, they're like, I definitely got yelled Dude, at.
1: <laughs> I get the same thing, like, cause you know, my family got uh, like ravaged during the Cultural Revolution, lost everything.
0: Because yeah. um, my my
1: yeah. my, uh, my granddad was an academic as well. He was a pharmacist, and I sort of like he taught at university. So when I told my parents, like I want to go back to China, I'd, like you're crazy. You know, it took so long to get to Australia, and <laughs> anyway, it, it, it's the same thing. It's they don't they don't understand because I just feel they, so isolated. I don't know why. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I think it's like I don't know. Like I've I I haven't lived in China as an adult. Uh, I've lived in I so background is that in my 20s i lived in south korea for two years Mm -hmm. and i worked there as an english teacher so i know the life of like the the english teacher in asia quite well except i'm asian i'm asian presenting and so living there i had a different experience than my white counterparts oh yes 100 um, that'd be interesting yeah yeah it was interesting i almost stayed there i almost married a korean guy and stayed there for good but um uh, i was only supposed to go there for years and then i stayed for a second year and then in the second year that's when like thing the 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 rose tinted glasses came off like I loved being there. I loved being in Asia, and I loved being surrounded by people that look like me, but there's a lot of xenophobia in Korea. Mm. There's racism in Korea. There's a lot of sexism. You know, I pretty much only dated Korean guys when I lived there because I couldn't stomach dating any of the white (laughs) English teachers there because they definitely had like an attitude that I found really gross, uh, quite like, you know, Asian fetish galore. Um, and um, when you know the experience of dating Korean guys, like there were lots of great guys that I dated, but there were also like you know um,
1: misogyny uh, and yeah. quite patriarchal. I read something it's like the highest rate of domestic violence in Asia or something. I was like, is what? in Korea? Yeah, apparently so. Really, it's yeah. worse than Japan. Yeah. Apparently so. That's what I read, but I, I'm not sure because I, I, it was a while ago, and I was really surprised because. You know because koreans are very how do i say uh courteous yeah and, very you know,
0: very yeah. polite
1: yeah yeah it's 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 very weird didn't like how, how did you get into uh music then if you were english teaching before and, yeah.
0: uh i was always into music i've been DJing since i was like 18 pretty much uh but uh i grew up playing the piano uh obvious <laughs> i don't want to say obviously definitely play it <laughs> but so it's just so many. Chinese kids I knew also play the piano, um, but I've, I I learned music from a very young age. My parents loved music, and so I started playing the piano when I was like four, basically, and uh, they pushed me really hard to, you know, uh, playing four or five hours a day, that kind of thing. My mom was very oh, much
3: shit.
0: a tiger mom, for sure, yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. and. Uh, and I was very stressed out and fatigued and I even got sick from it uh they chilled out a bit when we moved to the States um and we had I kind of took a break from it then I started up again with like uh, Chinese American English teachers who like uh and I continued my study until like pretty much like grade ten and then I stopped but it was it was not really like I love music but that wasn't what made me love music that actually made me hate music mm, yeah and it just wasn't very creative and i didn't like playing other people's music uh like other people's compositions which is funny because i became a dj and what does a dj do except play <laughs> music um but i just really loved like finding stuff that i liked on my own you know i grew up listening to hip hop that was like my passion for sure and then I went to university, joined the campus radio station, learned to DJ and mix records when I was there. And I just love the community around music. You know, people that I met through music were just, in my opinion, the most, at, at least at the time, the most progressive people I knew, people who were really yeah. kind of, um, open uh, and not closed minded and we could talk about music we could talk about politics we could talk about philosophy and i just really liked being in that kind of place when i lived in korea i kind of had to take time off from that um and i kind of just immersed in korean culture i didn't really do but then i came back and i picked it up again and then um it just kind of took off like i was lucky i met the right people Um, who like taught me the ropes and uh, you know I started to throw parties, book artists and they were really successful and um, I started to make music and uh, turned out all of um, the stuff that I learned when I was a kid stuck and it made it quite easy to learn how to make music because I had it it's like a language that like like now I'm like really grateful to my parents for uh for pushing me to do that because the things you learn at that age it's like it's almost subconscious uh the way that I hear music and the way that I can write music it's like I, I almost can't explain it to people like why I'm able to know these notes sound good together because when you learn a language from such a young age it's like explaining to people why I say, speak English in this way, what is the syntax? Why is the syntax like this? Um, when you learned in your formative years, you really like retain that information, um, it almost becomes something that's like a part of you. You know what I mean? Like,
3: Yeah. Yeah, I wish I had that.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's like, you know, it's, it's a language, just like anything else, I think. And uh, so I don't know. I've just been, I mean, my parents, were I did it definitely like in secret
1: <laughs> they, <laughs> like, they were very supportive I'm, I'm guessing yeah because they no, I mean, was very classical uh, but yeah, I mean, as well
0: <laughs> they could tell that I wasn't like gifted enough to be a professional pianist mm. and um or like didn't have enough like of the discipline to do that and uh they just thought that it was a good thing. Like a lot of Chinese parents think uh, that it's good to teach children music because it helps them develop uh, into like disciplined, well-rounded adults, right? Uh. Um, It didn't mean that they wanted me to have a career in music. And in fact, when I was in high school, I really had aspirations. I was in a band. I was learning other instruments on my own. And I was like, I really want to, you know, be a, be a musician,
3: you know, like yeah, I was yeah. So you weren't studying music when you went to university?
0: No, no, I studied to be, uh, I studied English. That was my other passion. I really loved to read. So I worked in publishing for five years. Uh, I worked um, in a book publishing company. Then I worked at a magazine publishing company after I came back from Korea. And that was like my last like professionalized job. Um, until like it was just very exhausting, I would work like fifty hour work weeks at work and then uh also throw parties and d j on the weekend
1: you 're like Developing. the f- first english major english teacher in asia i 've heard of
0: <laughs> uh, yeah like, i know right we 're not very uh we 're a very rare breed I, yeah. Growing up, I didn't have a lot of uh, Chinese friends because most Chinese kids I knew were not interested in the things that I was interested. I always felt like the odd one out. I was very whitewashed. And um, it like that is something that I've had to contend with as I've gotten older. But uh, yeah, no, I I was always like the odd one out. I didn't know that many people in my work were Asian. I didn't know that many people um, like in music that were Asian but it, in the end like I found my community in Toronto my music community partly because I did eventually meet people who were Asian and yeah. my friend who taught me how to throw parties she's from Shanghai and oh. my other best friend who like really taught me a lot about production uh well his family's from Hong Kong so we won't hold that against him but,
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait, but wait when uh, did you go to UD then like
0: I went to Queen's University in, uh, it's like. Um, oh, I've heard of that one. I bet people. Harvard from there. of the North. Um, it's yeah. pretty white, pretty bougie, uh, a lot of economics major and business, like MBA people at the school. Um, if you're studying like a science or anything like that, it's kind of bleak. Uh, it's not um, like a place where that is like the most open minded or diverse. It's very white. But. Oh. Able to find my people very early through the radio station. And for that, I'm really grateful because most other people, when I tell people I went to that school, they're like, oh my God, I would have never guessed you went to that school. It's so conservative.
1: They just assume
0: oh, okay. the University of Toronto, which is like, you know, more like it's in the big city. There's more, more diversity. Is that a Jordan Peterson school,
1: Toronto or something?
0: Yes, Jordan Peterson oh. <laughs> teaches there. Yes. <laughs> I think he still teaches there. I don't really know. But um, I mean, it's all a scam to be honest all universities are conservative in some way shape or form mm. they try to portray themselves as being like more open it's just marketing at the end of the day
1: yeah i mean like uni mel even the rankings are just a scam like i went to melbourne and it's like meant to be ranked top 30 then i went to like a really crap university down in um china well it's meant to be regularly low right it was like something like shifan or something
0: where did you where did so you went to school in china
1: as well no i went to work there so oh, you i was working there. as like a like i helped tutor like this really crappy class at peking so we got to go to university conferences like teaching politics mm-hmm. and it was, it was like an internship sort of thing i see and the, the students in china they work a thousand times harder than i ever worked in australia and they mm-hmm. were going to universities way lower ranked and I'm like, this is just a scam. Because at university, I learned nothing but how to party and take drugs and that's it. Well, in China, they <laughs> actually do, learn things. Like, I, and I, I just saw how much of a scam Australia was. Because all we do is we let people graduate who can't even speak English after four, three or four years. And we just take their money. And we just keep, you know, it's like a money churning machine, yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like the West doesn't even try to have some semblance of a meritocracy. Um, I mean, I, I do think I remember my university experience. Um, like, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but, um, like when I moved to Canada, oh yeah, I forgot to mention, I I never finished the story. When we moved to Canada, I almost flunked. I went from, uh, straight a 4.0 GPA, um, in the States, uh, like top five percentile in all the. and then moved to Canada and I almost failed uh, grade 11 math. I could not do math in the province of Ontario's math curriculum. I'm still really bad at math. Like I'm fine to do arithmetic really quickly in my head, Uh but trigonometry, uh, probability, um, you know, like calculus, like I was just so bad at those. And um, I like, it was it was a lot. It was like my parents. I I definitely uh, lived in a lie for um, the last two years of high school when I lived in in Canada. Like I doctored all of my report cards because I mean they, they <laughs> would have killed that you. That oh, I, like, yeah. they would have.
1: Like Asian parents, they like, would have killed me. There was yeah. no
0: way. Like the lowest score I was ever allowed, or I ever felt safe showing them, and even then, safe is in asterisks, because even then, I would still get punished and yelled, but, you know, maybe they won't beat me for it, so, like, I would, you know, like, the lowest I would get, like, I would be allowed is, like, an 85, mm. and lower than that is, like, like is so, it's, like, a shame worse than, like, if I had just killed somebody, um, so, like, I worked really hard to get better, I took like extra tutoring to get better, like, uh, and I worked so hard to get a 76 in math, in grade 11 math, and I was like, I, I felt ashamed and horrible, but I just realized like, like, maybe it's just not for me, or maybe the teacher, was, like, I don't know, or just, maybe I'm just bad at math. Um, and then in university, I, like, you know, I had a lot of personal issues in the first year, you know, dealing with mental health issues, and I almost flunked out of the first year, and then um, after that, I, like, actually, like, focused on, you know, doing well, and, like, studying English, it's really hard, because you have to read so much every single week, and you write so much, Mm. and it's dense reading material, it's, like, really, especially if I'm taking, like, a philosophy course, or, like, um a cultural studies course where you're reading like you know like adorno or you're reading like like walter Benjamin, or like you know nietzsche where it's like uh it's
1: dense, yeah
0: or heidegger you know stuff like i don't i have to read the same sentence like 10 times to understand what the fuck they're even talking about and it, it was really it was challenging um You know, I I graduated okay. Like I could get into master's, no problem, but like it took a lot of hard work and, you know, but I still partied. I definitely, I definitely still partied.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's just same, same. Like I, I basically got like zeros. I didn't care anymore. I just told my dad, I'm going to just fucking leave my home and, you know, become a hobo. (laughs) <laughs> like, i literally got zeros I, I literally like i even got suspended once for like throwing a book at the teacher because i was like i was like fuck you man fuck you you fucking suck was this
0: in university or no
1: no high school high school in high school but uh I has got lucky i got into uni i don't even know how anyway australia is you it's a joke regan probably knows but um yeah like you've you've talked like man that's just sounds like you went really the less puff less taken got the music then you like toured like china and stuff yeah and
2: yeah th- that's
1: yeah so I, rare. My,
0: I know <laughs> it's it's you don't really meet a lot of chinese people in the west in the diaspora that's like i mean I, now i do like because i think because i've i'm quite vocal about issues re- regarding like anti-asian racism yeah. and, uh, i've you know <laughs> Myself, a communist, and uh, like uh, people, I've built like more and more of a following, especially among like Asian like diaspora uh, dance music fans. So I've met way more of those people. Um, But you know, growing up, I didn't know anybody like this. I was always kind of like doing my own thing, Um, really passionate about things that I was into. Uh, So, but. I felt quite alone, um, pretty much until university, like nobody in high school, even people who were white or not Asian, were not really listening to the music that I was into. Uh, you know, you can definitely tell that I, I picked... What was it? Like, what- so Sorry,
3: yeah, what were you listening to at high school?
0: I mean, it wasn't even anything major, but like, I was listening to like, I don't know, radio
1: really oh, okay. no one yeah. was into radiohead in your high school
0: i was listening to like radiohead listening to like pulp listening to like i don't know like uh supergrass. like a lot of british bands that's like,
3: all brick pop
0: yeah yeah that's, stone that's... Temple, not sorry stone roses not stone temple pilots yeah. <laughs>
3: stone roses but it was also you
0: have to remember it was 2000 like i graduated high school in 2003 I went to a very, very, so I do want to talk about this experience is that I moved from a very white um, Albany, uh, like very white high school in the States to the most Asian neighborhood I'd ever been to outside of China. Um, We we lived in this uh, like township or like the suburban city called Markham. Uh, It's like about 35 minutes outside of like toronto uh it's part of like the greater metropolitan area but it's like i went to high school and first of all markham has the largest chinese mall outside of china what Uh, you may have heard of pacific mall i don't know if pacific mall is the largest chinese mall outside of china (laughs) and um it just like I would say about half, maybe even more than half of my high school were Chinese. Oh, um, but I didn't okay. understand any of them because around that time in uh, in Markham and in, in Canada in general, most of the Chinese immigrants were Southern
1: Chinese or from Hong Kong. Oh my God, same. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh,
0: and they would always talk to me in Cantonese, just assuming that I spoke it, which annoyed me and i would be like no but like even then i felt very like kind of isolated so like i i didn't know any mandarin people like um mainlanders um and even when i started to make more and more chinese friends all of my chinese friends in university are from hong kong yes or they're That's from that. like fujian or they're right. from like
1: just uh, like that area yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah so i and i couldn't i don't speak a word of Cantonese. I think I know "pokai," which is like a swear word it means like fall on the street and die or something i don't <laughs> someone explain it to me um
1: and the uh, lomo i think what's that mean I, I I know it's a swear word and that's like oh, a swear art, word? which is just ni how but like i think in Canada yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, I definitely developed like a reverse um, xenophobia towards them because I often felt like uh, they looked down on me because I didn't speak Cantonese and I was from the mainland. Same. And, uh, I kind of hated them and I hate the way Cantonese sounds. I like do not, I find it unpleasant to listen to
1: um and Ooh, i used like, to say that and get bashed <laughs>
0: yeah i mean i will probably get but like as i got older like i changed that way of thinking um and like it's very funny because when i go to china it's like a it's like a status um a sign of status higher status if you can understand or speak cantonese um at least like when i would see my uncles um in wuhan When we'd go to karaoke, everybody would make a fuss over. uh, Cantonese song. Yeah. Who can
1: sing in Cantonese (laughs) and can speak? The Isin Chen song or something. Oh, God. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, like, now I, I like, I love, I, you know, as I got older, I became, I got into like Hong Kong cinema and I love Fei Wang and I listened to her music and I love... Oh, but she's a Beijinger. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like she can, like I listen to her can't, canto pop songs and I love oh, really? the way uh, it sounds, I think Cantonese sounds really good in music. Like when you sing it. When you um, speak
2: it's different, yeah.
0: And, and it sounds good when you rap it. Whereas mm. I, mm, 100%. I really... I really hate the sound of Mandarin in rapping. When I hear a Mandarin rap, I just feel, like, this visceral, like, oh, why does it sound like that?
1: I think and they're not doing it um, correctly or something's off with the rhythm. Because it, it sounds very, sort of, cheesy, like a child, children's rap every time. I think the problem like is that
0: or? I think the problem is that Mandarin, uh, compared to other languages, like, like for example, like I think Japanese sounds awesome rapped, mm. and I think Korean sounds really awesome wrapped, mm. it's only Mandarin that I feel like sound, and, and, and I think part of it is because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in, I think in Japanese and in Korean and in Cantonese as well, I think there's like, there's short vowel sounds and then there's also long vowel sounds. Whereas like in Mandarin, I feel like every word is just one, is monosyllabic and we don't have something like in english where you say like cute where like there's like that like short sound at the end and the first one is long like in mandarin everything is duh 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 right. and so i find that gives it less of um it w- it's less conducive for m- like a tonal like a musical to- like tonality to having it wrapped
1: i don't it, know it's different though because um I, i'm not i don't know i'm not a linguistics uh, expert but i know that in um when taiwanese men are in people they they're rapping taiwanese Mandarin, which is the same just Taiwanese accent it sounds actually pretty all, all right and uh, i don't know how not really yeah i don't know i listened to this one rapper he's a bit underground um softly but you know him sorry i'm um, you... um, soft lipper he's like sort of like new jar yeah. Okay. I don't know. He's like he's he's rap. He, he really fits Mandarin for some reason, but for some reason when I go to the mainland and hear the, the rap, it's it's just like they're trying really hard to copy an American sound, but sort of put it into Mandarin instead of developing yeah. their own kind of um, sort of style. That, that's what really annoys me. Um, so uh, it, it's just um, as I said, the Westernization of China has just gone very uh, like consumeristic. It, it's not very natural. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I get it because, you know, rap is something that came from the West, and I understand this uh, desire to want to update it um, to make it more relevant for a global market. You know, it's all business at the end of the day. These mm-hmm. artists want to market themselves to the international, like, world. And, you know, when you go to Korea, which, like, you know, the pop scene there is so big. Wow. And when I there um you know big bang was really popular this was like i i miss the bts um kind of time when i lived there it was like big bang super junior uh girls
1: generation uh
0: donbang shinki. i don't know how to say that
1: bbsk yeah uh
0: yeah yeah yeah. like those are like the big groups and like girls generation and and wonder wonder girls and when they'd rap like uh, it it's all very, like, Western-sounding. Like, it sounded like American pop music.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Especially like, uh, Big Bangs. It's like a copy of um, African-American yeah, culture. Yeah,
0: totally. A big time. Some of their songs sound like, like, like their older songs sound like 90s R&B, which I definitely enjoyed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's definitely, like, not the most, uh like, unique. Uh, and they definitely copy from... Which is, you know.
1: But they do it well, at least.
0: They they do it well. I think Koreans are very, uh, like, um, excuse this generalization, but uh, they're very disciplined in the way that they, I mean, there are also lots of problems in the entertainment industry in in terms of labor issues and issues of abuse at young, like, trainees. But for all the way they train, like, uh, artists, um, the way they, Build them up like they're very well rounded. They work really, really hard, and they seem to uh, know how to, you know, re to take something from the West and then restructure it so that it is still like Korean but Westernized. Mm. You
1: know, mm. um, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's just um i i get what you mean yeah um so when, when you did your music the, and you said you toured in china i'm really curious about this what what was touring in china like just yeah
0: um it was great i mean i went with my boyfriend uh and it was uh kind of uh i was it was a five week long tour because i also played in korea and japan mm-hmm. uh, i played six shows in china and um he went with me he had never been and we were kind of going to also introduce him to my family my extended family uh and i stayed uh with like um our family in xian where I, that was the first show i no the first show i played was in shenzhen never mind it was at this club called oil um and that was my favorite show and i really liked shenzhen a lot um i would live there 100% and the club is really great uh the food is really good there um and then uh i don't know how to describe it i mean people
1: was it like uh, the wuhan pool party that's all that's all that's on my mind um, now when i think of dance no, <laughs> music no, i feel party. like
0: I feel like that's a very different world. Uh, I feel like that is more like EDM, whereas, like, I don't really play that. I, like, the world that I occupy is, like, sort of, like, the underground, uh, like, indie kind of, uh, you know, house and techno that's, like, very popular in Europe
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: parts of the U.S. Um, And uh, it's definitely increasing in popularity in China because of, like, you know, certain uh, scenes in Shanghai, for example, there's like a really amazing kind of experimental label based in Shanghai. And, um, there are like, there's been an increase in Chinese artists, uh, for sure. Um, but the clubs are just, they're just dark clubs. They look not very different from, you know, European clubs, uh, except everyone is, you know, Asian, although not everyone, you know, depending on where you play, like in Chengdu, and in Shenzhen and Xi'an and Hangzhou, I would say most of the audience were Chinese. Um, but in Beijing and Shanghai, it was like uh, kind of more mixed. There were a lot of more like like expats, yeah.
1: uh, you know, white presenting uh, people. at the um, male Live House or something in Beijing. Which the Mao live house or something i can't remember what it was called no, i don't it? know that one uh, yeah. i
0: played in a club called Zhao dai which is like the uh the big like the the techno club in uh-huh. beijing and then What's it, the name again?
1: sorry jiao dai Zhao dai. Zhao dai. Okay.
0: Zhao dai like you know Jiaodai. dai jiao dai uh, oh okay yeah Jiaodai. dai and then I played in Club All, which is uh, in, Sh- uh, in uh, Shanghai, which is, um, uh, it's owned by a British expat, I think, uh, but he's been living in China for maybe 30 years in-, in Shanghai. And he owned a club before that. And I essentially got introduced to him through a Chinese artist uh, who's uh, like, you know, I really look up to him. His name is Cuxing, um, and uh, he is, Taiwanese but when I met him he was living in Shanghai and uh he kind of commutes between the two places um and uh, he's very like he inspires I think a lot of us because he's very unabashedly Chinese like he did an entire album based on um I I it escapes me uh he's actually way more educated about Chinese like literature than I am but it's
1: is it? Hmm? How do you pronounce his name? Sorry, Sing.
0: Yeah, it's like Su. Uh, Su. It's T Z U. Yep. S I N G, and uh, his. Uh, oh yeah, he's he was born in Malaysia, um, and then uh, you know spent. I think he grew up in Singapore, but he's Chinese. You know, there's a lot of Chinese people that live in Malaysia, and in. Um, in Singapore, and uh, the album. Oh yeah, he did an, an album called Dongfang Bubai. Yes, and,
1: I was just looking at that.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. So, and it's based on that character, who's like, uh, uh, well, named mm-hmm. Dongfang Bubai, right? Like, where he's crossdresser, maybe. Is it?
1: Um, I think so. I'm not too. I'm not as well versed in this. This is actually quite interesting. Yeah. So I'm just looking at it right now.
0: Yeah. So like we're friends, we played together in Australia at Unsound the year that I dj when I toured in Australia. And like um, he took me out for uh, Hot Pot when I played in Shanghai. And uh, he like essentially connected me with the show. And um, you know, all the Chinese people, the, 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 the few, like the, the ones that I can count on one hand kind of know each other, uh, but uh, there's not really any, like, there's only in the last couple of years that I've started to see more people that are from the mainland rather than from, you know, like Hong Kong or.
1: Else. Yeah. It's, it's like it's same as um, when I was in high school. Like, it's only around sort of 2010 ish when I started seeing a lot of Mandarin speakers come to Melbourne. Like, there were like mm-hmm. two hot pot restaurants in all of Melbourne before that. Now there's like a thousand. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. So, so
3: did you find uh touring china um is it uh so can you make good money doing that or is it more for the love of the art i mean
0: my fees are definitely lower in china than in other places um you know artists like me uh and in general i think we work on a like there's no set price to book me it's like my agent will develop it will kind of um, put together a, like a fee based on you know the size of the club and yep. um, how many tickets they expect to sell based on my draw and what have you but um, you know like it was it was good I otherwise I wouldn't have gone because uh, did t- you
3: find did you find that tour that you, you your audience grew like a Chinese audience or
0: I mean it's hard to say because um, I don't know how to even track that they're because,
1: separated like it's like a wall, yeah, the wall our
0: internet is separated and also beyond that although I'm, I'm i'm working on it but my chinese reading skills are really bad like really bad um uh, you know i did <sighs> chinese work until i was 16. um and uh you know i i can still read um uh, i would say about 50 percent of things Uh, And I can read, I can write about 50% as well. But I have like a grade two, like grade three, like Chinese uh, comprehension um, ability. So uh, when I click on a website and it's all in Chinese, like my eyes just become like, I don't know how to say it. English, which is ironic, I feel like my eyes become like Huala, like, um, I don't know what you call that. It's like my eyes blur and I'm like, I can't, I can't identify any word It just becomes like, like pictures to me. Uh, so I get quite like, um, I, I have no idea, like what in terms of my audience there even is in China, but I do have a lot of Chinese diaspora fans that right. over the years and they, they write to me um, and you know, they're living in Germany, or living in the States or living in like Australia or whatever, um, but um, and but we all pretty much always communicate in English. Funnily enough, it was only after I started tweeting about China that now I'm getting people who find my music and they talk to me in Chinese. So that is uh,
1: like a positive because you know, I always yeah. want yeah. Is there like a lot of Chinese influence in your music? Um.
0: Uh I would say so. I mean, I don't didn't really grow up like I don't know how to describe maybe you can relate, but like I I mentioned it earlier, I felt like growing up I was very whitewashed. I was definitely like a self-hating uh Chinese a diaspora person. I was like um not like I wouldn't say I was like proud to be Chinese. And I definitely held this like internalized view that, you know, things from China were backwards or mm. like we not cool or like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but as I, I feel like the last 10, 20 years of my life where I've really developed a lot of my philosophies regarding, you know, politics, regarding identity, regarding racism, um and sort of like my culture and my heritage and i've changed a lot in that regard um you know up until this point the only chinese thing i was ever really into was i was briefly obsessed with jay chow for a year when i was like uh 20 when i went to china with my dad i listened to jay chow when i was there i was like oh this is great i love it but that was (laughs) the only experience i had with and, and oh yeah and i watched show a Chinese drama, and I was obsessed with it. Which it was called "Juzi was called
1: I don't <inaudible> know, <inaudible> but
0: <inaudible> Zhou Xun was in it, and she's a pretty famous Chinese actress. Yeah, she's
1: very famous. Yeah.
0: And it was basically, this, the plot was, um, you know, it, it, it was during the Qing Dynasty, I think, and um, she was married to this, like, very austere like patriarch, and then she fell in love with brother it was a big mess and uh, you you can infer what happens uh, rest but it just means like literally that like the orange has turned red I don't know what that means or what the um, if there's like some kind of proverb or idiom associated with it that I'm just It's like the,
1: the orange ripens basically I guess yeah
0: yeah orange has ripened yeah and uh so those were the only thing like i was pretty uh divorced from that part of my life and it was only i moved to korea because i wanted to you know be closer to um you know asian culture and i went to china a lot, like quite a few times when i was there my parents my grandparents were still alive i wanted to visit them and the more i went and uh and also the more I read of like, it's interesting that like, it was only after I became more sympathetic to socialism that I learned to not self-hate. is not that crazy. Is that like,
3: oh, fuck.
0: <laughs> often felt um, this like anti-communism thing is such a pervasive part of uh, Western culture. Um, yeah. that we kind of, uh internalize it but it, it's it it poisons everything it's not just like it's not just we hate the government it's like everything about um like china you know for a lot of kids like me you know we kind of don't have anything to do with it and um maybe that was just my own experience uh i'm sure lots of other people uh you know su sing being a great example who are really proud of their chinese culture and know a lot about it but don't like the government the chinese government um but uh it was at least for me my personal journey uh and only after i started making music i I put out my first record in 2017 Mm -hmm. and uh that year actually i don't know if you um, have seen my, the cover of my first record, but my first record is called Electrical Encounters.
2: Oh,
1: yeah.
0: No. That's actually a picture of me. Um, oh, shit. Oh, really? So <laughs> there's, like, yeah, some
1: like movie clip.
0: No, that's me. Uh, I am still living in China. My parents made me do this thing on my sixth birthday uh, where they took me to a photo studio, and there's, like, a whole series. There's even one of me where I look like like, a comrade, like, where, like, a child that's dressed like... Dude, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So, I just love this picture, and I thought this was, like, you know, a very personal record. It's my first record, and I was kind of wanting to give a a shout-out to how, like, you know, I loved Notorious B.I.G. when I was growing up, and his first record, I think, was like a picture of himself as a baby. Oh, yeah, oh uh, yeah,
3: yeah. You
0: know, wanted to do something like that, where like I felt like I owe a lot to my parents and I owe a lot to my Chinese upbringing that I'm even able to make music. And um, so even though there was nothing really Chinesey in terms of musically on that record, um, you know, it is a part of me. And then from that point, I think every record, subsequent record that I've made, has been more I think uh, open about you know about like playing with things that are Chinese like you know my favorite sounds is the kui bar do you know
1: what yeah Um, um it was originally, like, used for, like, Chinese sort of storytellers, kind of. It's kind of hard to describe. Uh, well, my
0: dad says uh, rap was invented in China. Well, because oh, of that, that's not... Okay, I guess it's, I, it's like a I, sort I, of
1: rap storytelling. Yeah. I
0: mean, that's what... I mean, my dad's very Han chauvinist in that regard. Um, but his idea was that, like, you know, people would recite limericks and play this, like, clapper made from boo. And they would like, uh, it, it, and just shake it. It's sort of like, it sounds like a, almost like a snare, but it's uh, be t- halfway between a snare and like a snap almost. I find ban it has like a very sharp like sound.
3: How um, do you spell that? Uh,
0: I'm not K- sure it's I always add an R at the end because I speak in that uh, more than, Chinese yeah. way but it's technically pronounced quiet ban. but yeah
3: oh yeah okay
0: yeah so like I made a sample pack for splice last year and I sampled uh, and you know I, I use that sound to create a new sound and I try to use Chinese percussion a lot I made um, this piece that I'm working on right now. Um, I wanted to, so in Ableton, you can sample pretty much any instrument and you can put an instrument sound into this thing called a sampler or a simpler and you can play it like an instrument um, on a keyboard. So I could sample something like a guzheng, for example, and I loved the, the sound of a, um, is that how you say gu zheng
2: or gu It's like yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: gu Don't zh- yeah. no, ask me. I'm, I'm just like you. I'm like a fourth, third grade eight Chinese person. Um, um, gu zh- and yeah. I,
0: I sample a lot of Chinese uh, like instruments. I like one of my early tracks is called Erhu
1: Jam. Erhu. Yeah. Another Chinese. It's like a sort of a yeah. like, like a lute with like two strings kind of.
0: Yeah. It's like a. Primitive violin, essentially. It's yeah. like a string yeah. instrument, um, but it has a very so, um, like I, melancholy sound, which I always loved. And my um, record is called Hundred
1: Flowers." Peepa. What? Do you, you have ever have done a pipa? Pipa. It's like a, it's like the actual guitar-looking oh. one.
0: No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Uh, but
1: I, you know, I'm gonna add it to my list. I'm always
0: on YouTube looking for people playing <laughs> Chinese instruments and like using that sound and resampling it and writing music with the sound.
1: Like I, when you hear
0: mm. my song Arhu Jam, it doesn't even sound like Arhu at all, at all. Because like, I mean, the idea is to make it sound almost unrecognizable.
1: That's cool, yeah. I mean, you're um, modernizing it and making it to sort of adapt to our culture. Yeah, color.
0: yeah. And so that's like kind of how I'm, and, and uh, I don't know if you caught that, but my second record is called Hundred Flowers. Um, I was is that political that, uh, no it's not a political record um, at all. I just was reading uh about that campaign at the time mm. and I had written a song that I thought was like really um, playful and it reminded me of um, like I I think because of my upbringing and because of the pieces that I played when I was growing up, I think Chinese kids, even when they live in the in the West, all Chinese kids play very simple like very like play um, Pieces that are very commonly found in Chinese piano education, but not in the West. So for example, like stuff like Richard Clyderman. I've never heard of anyone play that outside of China. Um, and uh, I think having that exposure, I think there is a, a sensibility to how I write melodies mm. that's kind of Chinesey. I can't describe it; it's almost inexplicable. When I tell other people, they're like, "What are you talking about?" But like, yeah. when the song that I made, it just really made me think of music I would hear when, um, like, I associate it with like going to school when you're like in grade school, like grade one. <laughs> Go, going to do like the morning calisthenics uh in front of the school like all kids had to do that you know you'd wear your oh,
1: your yeah, your uh, yeah. Wearing, like, your yeah. it's like um how chinese people really like kenny g but i've never met a western fan of kenny g
2: exactly
0: yeah these like <laughs> weird things that are like only popular in china yeah. but are american like are from the west but and nobody that
1: stupid uh mask movie with um, Drew Carey? Was it not Drew Carey? Uh, no, Jim Carey. Jim Carey, yeah. Oh, God, why is that popular? Like, it, it seems to be... There's a lot of things that are popular in China. It makes no sense.
0: That's funny, because that's the very first movie I ever saw in the movie theater in America
1: with my family. Oh, uh, see? <laughs> Told you. Like, <laughs> I just love that movie. And I'm like, that movie's I Loved not-.
0: it. I still love that movie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. One
1: of Jim Carey's
3: best.
0: Yeah. that movie is funny. I don't know. I enjoyed
2: it.
1: Yeah. It is funny, <laughs> but like it, it's yeah. it about, like when I was looking at my aunt, she's like, Oh, I saw the best movie. It's this guy. He becomes a green guy. I'm like, the he's like, yeah, it's so good. I was like, yeah, it's all right. But like, not that good. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I don't, um, I don't know. I, I definitely try to pay hey, respect to my culture a lot. Um, and learn more about like Chinese music and uh, whether it's ancient or um, contemporary. But like, I think when I was growing up, I, I, I often like thought that it was kind of lame. Like my, my parents would always sing the same songs to me. Like, uh, you know, the one that's really popular in China, the, the, it's like, it's like an opera, but it's also like a story about like this, Butter like these lovers it's like about
1: star-crossed lovers but Damn they can't yeah, or some shit, or?
0: yeah they turn into butterflies or yeah, whatever yeah
1: two butterflies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so
0: that piece is like like so like i can hear it i will never get it out of my head and when i was growing up it was like my parents really shoved that on my throat you know and like i was just like i i don't like this it's really corny and i think for the for the longest time i just associated chinese music with like either patriot music like that was about like only love songs you know loving your country or um you know music that was like you know peking opera which like my grandparents would listen to found it like unlistenable uh, or like freaking you know pop music, which I like, I mean, is so saccharine, you know, I, I find most of the stuff that's popular uh, that people enjoy singing at the karaoke. I'm like, it's really corny. It's like, you know, they love songs. I don't listen to stuff like that
3: here. Yeah. I noticed a lot of the music in uh, Chinese taxis is that very painful.
0: Ballads, <laughs> right?
1: Love ballads. It's all
3: ballads. Yeah. Yeah. And, ballads. And a lot of the bars... Um, seem to play that as well. I wasn't, when I visited China, I was never able to find cool underground music. So I think my... But
0: there is. And I only discovered it when I was living in in Korea, which is like, you know, but just having that geographical closeness, like, you know, I I definitely, I was an English teacher. So I did go to bars in Korea. Surprise, surprise. And... (laughs) Sometimes they booked bands from China. So I discovered like a really cool shoegaze scene in Beijing. There's a band uh, called Car Sick Cars. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, but I was so excited to see them. I had uh, huo guo No, we had a Chinese a Korean barbecue after. And I talked to them in Chinese. I was so excited. I had not seen Chinese oh, really yeah. in like a really long time. Um, and uh, there is... Like, I think Beijing has a really cool, I think, more like rock um, and experimental scene. And Shanghai is more like, uh, you know, I think dance music is more popular in Shanghai than in Beijing. Uh, And there's this like, and there's like record labels um, in Shanghai that are getting like success and praise like internationally and so that's been really nice to see because, like before that, I'd never even really
1: seen, um, you know, yeah. much
2: representation.
1: Yeah. Beijing so. really has that um, underground sort of indie vibe, especially when most of the music scene seems to be settled in like the old town. Sort of like yeah. the yeah, it's like this aesthetic where you got the modern, then you got the old hutongs going along the side. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. cool.
0: It's cool, and and now that I'm older, and you know, I've unlearned a lot of these toxic. Um, ideas I feel like I was so wrong about I mean I think Chinese instruments are some of the most unique and beautiful instruments um, like ever and yeah are like and the influence Uh, of for example something like a guzheng is like you know there are versions of it throughout Asia in in Korea it's called a kayagum. And then they call it a kodo in Japan.
1: Oh, in English it's called a zither. Uh,
0: yeah. So like.
1: The American knows what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then there's all these like, it, we were definitely on a tip in terms of like the percussion, like the cool, like cl- there's really cool like clave sounds or clave sounds. It's like um kind of like a ping, kind of like percussive. Yeah um and uh really like huge gongs and stuff like that and when i was in asia i was like you know whenever i'm touring i always have a recording device handy um i record uh you know background noise um street din, and things like that which i can later like resample or use in some way and i went to a buddhist temple and i just loved like because they're using traditional instruments as well. And uh, just list, I could sit there all day and just listen to them sing. And like Chinese music has a a particular way, like where the melodies go a certain way. It's like how like different cultures have a different scale. There's like definitely a very Chinese kind of scale. And when you hear music, it sounds like really familiar and, and like nostalgic in a way. And so it's been nice to kind of re get in touch with that part of me and embrace it. And, you know, I I released a song this year that, like, I mean, I don't know if I'm getting into trouble revealing all of my sample sources. I don't want to get sued. um, But (laughs) definitely like talking about
1: that before you came on, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: whatever. Um, But, you know, I, I worked with like, Fei Wang, uh, like one of her songs I read, like I sampled um, the Which way one? she's in Cantonese. Um, it's called, uh, I'm gonna pull it up cause I don't remember.
1: Um, um, I mean, Ch- Chinese is the, the music scene, it used to be really heavily controlled by the government originally during the empire, like the imperial dynasties. There used to be actually an actual government thing called the Music Bureau, where they would produce music for the government, and it's for like thousands of years. That's how it worked. Yeah, so China had a very um, serious scene, but um, the music was usually done for ritualistic values or for entertainment when they were drinking alcohol. So it's very um, how do I say uh, male-dominated because you know when you have parties, people sitting around like thing drinking the rice wine, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's also very a lot of the music. like a lot of the, it's based on poetry, basically. They recite poetry, like sung Tzu, And it's very, very depressing. Oh, Everything in Chinese just sounds so depressing. Yeah. Uh, I sent you
0: the the name. Ai Mei.
1: Oh, okay. So it's like, um, how do I say Ai Mei in Chinese? It's like sort of like love, but it's like a crush kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's just, her voice is beautiful. um, And it also was like the song that had a bit without any instruments. So like when I, it, oftentimes what I end up sampling, if I sample a vocal, um, it's really just dependent on like, is there, can I isolate the vocal from the instrumentation? Cause I don't want the instrumentation. I just want the vocal. You can't really find like acapellas mm-hmm. um, for me. So um, this one has like an opening bit where it's just her her voice and nothing else. And it's really nice. And you know, I didn't really listen to her music. I got to know her through movies. I really like Wong Dawei, like Wang Karwai's movies, and uh, like a lot of I think Asian diaspora people. we all love Wang Karwai movies, and uh, I got to know her from there. and
1: um, yeah yeah what about that song um, Zasui? I think Zasui. Zasui. Uh, what oh, that's what it is.
0: Daswe <laughs> is the Mandarin word for chop suey. So basically, um, I made a my record um, that just came out this year. Uh, the concept was, uh, you know, in dance music, there's a lot of discussion about cultural appropriation, um, about who is allowed to sample from where. And, uh, you know, sampling is a found, I think, one of the, without sampling there, like electronic music came from sampling. It's a sampling. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, to, I think sometimes people get really offended at cultural appropriation. And I understand that, but I don't want them to use that as a reason to like do away with sampling because Mm. sometimes the conversation does get to a place where it's like, oh, you shouldn't, if you don't have a right to this culture, then you don't, get to sample it and I, I, I really think that there's a right way to appreciate something and to use it in a way and there's the wrong way to do to, to, to do it and I wanted to show that there is a way to do it that is not that is respectful
2: mm.
0: and that uh, is not removing context from and, and still also using samples that mean something personal to me. I think a lot of times people use samples uh carelessly um they're like you know i get british producers sending me albums that are like oh i really think you'll dig this and like every track just sounds like like i don't know how to explain it it sounds like if you got like um a cd from a tourist uh like agency where they were introducing you to music of china
1: music Uh, oh so what a westernist view of china is yeah, so like, dun, 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 like that kind of crap. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. They'll send me <laughs> stuff that sounds like they sampled like a meaty thing from like uh you know, it, someone sent me a, a release that was literally every track was like a different culture that they had sampled from, where like this is the Indian song, and then this is the Japan song, and then this is like the I don't know, Persian or like African. Uh, i don't know Iridium pipes <laughs> yeah it it's it's a lot no no bagpipes because they never ever sample from white people. they only so like the optics just looks really uneven. People complain about cultural appropriation because there 's a power imbalance where it 's like predominantly white people sampling from people of color. And uh, as a person of color, I wanted to show that you could sample, that I'm going to sample from white people, but I'll also sample from non-white cultures mm. and uh, like really interrogate where my samples are coming from, what they mean, what the lyrics are saying. You know, there's like like a lot of um, instances in dance music where uh, oh, some techno producer sampled a Muslim call to prayer and- Oof. Uh, uh, techno beat to it and then played it in like Qatar or like in like somewhere like where it's like a lot of Muslims live there and then it's like get called out for it and it's like oh how can you get mad at me for that and it's like well I mean you're not respectful of the fact that this is sacred music for people you can't hear that in the club that is like Haram, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, especially a lot of music
1: actually originates from ritual and religion in um,
0: right? In yes, so, and, and so I always, and it's also
3: had... it's just cheap and it's lazy as well. Wow, yeah, it's
0: lazy, it's also musically <laughs> lazy because they just want like a cheap trick to make their song that exotic or cool, interesting, but
1: like, yeah, it's orientalizing basically. Like, look at these Muslims, they're you know, doing their Muslim thing, yeah
0: exactly it's like oh i like the sound of this um but not like thinking more deeply about like oh just because i like the sound of this what does this mean to someone else like what does it mean to someone who looks different from me and all of those things so like Sui, i called it that. it's not like i mean there are chinese samples on it but there are also japanese samples on it there's american samples on it there's you know places, there's, like, Vietnamese samples, there's, like, uh, you know, things from all over, and...
3: So, I also saw you being sampling from films and stuff as well. Yes,
0: yes, I do, I mean, I love movies, I watch a lot of movies, and um, I, they're definitely a source of inspiration for me, and, uh, like, yeah, I, I, I think there, I just feel like there there has to be a way that you could do this where, you know, people understand what you're trying to do and they understand that it was done in good faith. Mm. And so that's why I even like, I put out an artist statement sort of explaining what was the process behind it and every single sample on this record, I personally like acquired, like it didn't come from a sample pack. I didn't download, um, A world music CD or whatever. Yeah. No, like there's like things. Oh, I went to this country and I bought this record, and locals recommended it to me and told me what it was about and what the song is about before I just chucked it on there. And so it's called Chop Suey because it's really like a potpourri of like so many different random stuff in there in the hopes that I could create like my own world from that
2: mm.
0: And a chop suey dish is what is chop suey it's like a mixture of like a bunch of crap in one big dish
1: never actually I, had it <laughs> never
0: oh yeah i mean like i'd never had chop suey either so i had to look it up i was like why do people what is chop suey um why does system of a down have a song called chop suey <laughs> and uh chop suey is a dish in american chinese cuisine Consisting of like like meat, eggs, bunch of different vegetables, uh, and a lot of times it's like what people just throw what they have in their house yeah. and then kind of like put it all together. So, uh, tap, uh, tap sui. I like the, I don't know how to say it in Cantonese. It literally means miscellaneous leftovers. Yeah. Oh, and I. I didn't want to use chop suey. You know, I don't speak Cantonese. I thought it was more honest to use, you know, use Mandarin and um, like every, that's the song that's sort of like everybody's favorite from this record. And I like really like it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be the most popular one from what I can see and Regan. On on the band camp. (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Um, we've recorded for quite a while. Um, it's getting quite late. Is it over there in Canada?
0: Yeah, it's 10 PM, but you know, I keep really odd hours. So okay, that's
1: good. So we don't want to like keep you up or anything.
0: No, no, don't worry about
1: yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think about 88 rising? Like, did you guys meet up with them or? Uh,
0: it's actually funny. Um, <laughs> uh, they actually asked me to do a mix for them, uh, on their like, Oh shit. Yeah, they started this like new radio thing. I don't know how I feel about it. It's like a very different audience. um, And they get accused a lot of um, being quite male centric and also being a little bit appropriative the way and I the optics of like um, an Asian collective that like is mostly like centered around like rap music I think is a little bit makes some people pause I think um, I don't know how I feel about that aspect of it um, but I have some friends that have worked with them before and um, I'm not too sure about it like
1: uh, maybe you guys could help me what do you think, what do you think? I mean did you play uh, yeah
3: <laughs> so I, I it is the few songs that I've listened from that uh, scene um, I get very like sort of white people doing hip hop in the 80s like Beastie Boys and <laughs> kind of with the like you know it is very masculine sort of dudes it's a lot of it like fuck bitches sort of stuff like I think mm-hmm. hip hop has kind of moved on from that in a way mm-hmm. so and it, is, it is weird I mean uh,
0: it just seems like a little bit dising like disingenuous like they're playing they're acting in a way like there are there's this one song that i did like though what's that guys what was that i'm trying to remember oh god i don't remember what it was called um but it was like it was I, the artist uh, i don't remember either yeah I really um suck at that um but yeah i mean i think that what people like when they hear music people talk a lot about authenticity um, about like what is like genuine and real about you and um, I think when you live in the West as a minority uh, I think Chinese people often end up adopting more of like uh, like all Chinese people I know love hip hop you know like um, we kind of gravitate to that kind of subculture. Uh, When I was growing up, you know, I was friends with like other non-white people. I mean, I was friends with white people as well, but I often felt in a school where there was nobody really, um, that like, there was one other Chinese kid, his name was Peter Chen and we had nothing in common. And so like, I generally just hung out with black kids and I, if I wanted to hang out with like people who were like, who were not white, who were minority, you know, I I felt like we had more common ground in many ways. Mm. Um, So, and that's a phenomenon that happens a lot, like in sort of uh, the Five Eyes countries, you know, where like different groups of minorities kind of gravitate toward each other. They hang out with each other and it in turn influences um, how we present ourselves and the things that we become interested in. So, uh, but at the same time, you know, you don't need to be rapping about like fucking bitches because it just seems really like
1: yeah. Up, up to that know. point, like that, that their most famous song, one of them, was like "Made in China" or something uh, by Hard Brothers. That, because that, yeah. that's that's what a Western person's view of China is: the cheap goods, made in China. Um, even even the song itself was like, "Oh, Chinese rap? What's Chinese hip-hop? watch that!" And like, um, it, it's it's that's why I think it got popular because they think that was Chinese people being authentic, talking about making cheap goods. <laughs> and, oh yeah, I, I know thought, the
3: song. I, know this song. I thought that's that song is quite tongue in shake. It's like they're yeah, yeah, almost yeah, aware is.
1: of um yeah, white think of us. Yeah.
0: I mean it's I okay, so I am just seeing this video for the very first time. Are they Chinese?
1: Yeah, Sichuan, all Sichuan boys.
0: No, I mean like do they live in China or yeah. are they like Chengdu. The Oh, interesting. Um, it's fully Chengdu, but yeah, yeah. like all the because raps. raps
3: yeah. actually, Chengdu is
0: exactly, one of the coolest uh, places I've ever been to in. I China. would
1: retire there if I could.
0: <laughs> yeah, like when I played in Chengdu, I, like, oh my god, I don't even know. I, I maybe I'm being too honest in this. Um, but a fan gave me weed when I was in Chengdu. Jeez, that's
1: that's risking um, life
0: uh she's from Australia. She spoke to me in Australian English, but she was chinese
2: yeah.
0: and um I was like you know i'm a i live in Canada i'm a heavy weed smoker. I smoke weed pretty much like every day um and uh the only times I don't smoke weed are when i'm in a country where i can't
3: and That's just- uh, I'm dying to go back to China because I need a tolerance break.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like going to—I took a break. I, I didn't enjoy that experience because I was so paranoid. I couldn't even really enjoy it, and I was no, I couldn't do it over there. Get caught, um, and um, they actually stopped me when I was leaving the country to go to Korea um, at the like, like the the border, and I was like, oh my
2: god
0: i'm you found me <laughs> you <laughs> found me, me. <laughs> um but um it was fine it was not a big deal <laughs> and they just asked to get my passport again
1: dude um, like i smoked in behind a back alley once um so these because i hang out with a lot of african people when i was in beijing and for some reason it, it works like this the africans deal that what's initially to do hash instead of weed in beijing mm-hmm. and all the buyers are basically hipster white people who study there it's actually weird right. how that works. Um, it's, it's like they're trying to reestablish a system. And I was so scared because a bunch of people walk past. They're like, hey, your cigarette smells weird. And I'm like, yeah. yeah."
0: And, and they <laughs> can tell now. They know. <laughs> they know. Like, I mean, when I was younger going to China, I just assumed nobody knew what it smelled like because uh, it just wasn't very common. Mm. I think during the previous administrations, um, like... Uh, they were way more lax about it and people didn't really like give a shit about it. Yeah. Uh, but Xi Jinping really hates drugs. He's like very, very
1: conservative. Like, um, Jackie Chen's son, he got busted. Now he's like, how, he, isn't he like banned from all these stuff now, like the entertainment industry and stuff?
0: Yeah, but I yeah. mean that's not unique to China. When I was yeah. living in China, I mean, in Korea, there were several high-profile scandals involving Korean pop stars who had smoked weed, and like the amount of like theater that they had to go through to publicly apologize to netizens was just like, I mean yeah. that made me like roll my eyes because yeah. like, in this I regard, I do not agree with how things are at all in, uh, in Asia with like regards to, uh, it's such a conservative view of- There's a trauma
1: um, as well. Like my dad always talks about it's like napien, like opium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to be like opium people. You're going to be addicted and the white people will take control of you. And I'm like, uh, anyway.
0: Yeah, no, I understand that. And I understand why people wouldn't like weed because weed has like, it also makes you sleepy and lazy and like kind of like um, happy, like dumb happy. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I get that. Um, But, you know, it's also not opium. And uh, for a culture that really prides itself on being very scientific and being very like, you know, facts above all else, it's a very unscientific view of marijuana. You know, that, you know, I live in a country where it's legal. It helps a lot of people with all sorts of medical conditions. And uh, I don't agree with like this sort of tough on drugs. I mean, like tough yeah. on drugs, uh, a, a war on drugs. I find that is like we're just internalizing Western ideas.
1: I mean, baijiu, Chinese baijiu. That fifty-six percent stuff is very toxic to the body. Like, yeah, it's very My uncle toxic. died from liver cancer because he drank it every day. <laughs> that, I mean, that's my way grandfather- more dangerous.
0: I'm worried about my dad because he drinks Baijiu every meal mm. and uh, he never used to do that. And it was only in the la after he- his second marriage and then last like 10 years, he started to do that more and more. And his father was a, he died an alcoholic.
1: Yeah, he got- that's how dangerous it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's very dangerous. And even when I go to China, I don't drink Baijiu. Uh,
1: I don't, um, I don't like the taste of it. I mean, <laughs> it's know? fine if you don't drink it every day, but when you're drinking 60% yeah. alcohol every day, you're gonna die you know, eventually.
0: If my uncles <laughs> ask me to, you know, gumbei or whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll drink it. You know, I'll have a shot. Yeah, respect. Um, yeah. I do feel like it's so strong, and mm. I feel I'm getting drunk just smelling it. Oh like, yeah. the, <laughs> it's So intense. Yeah. It's like coming into my body. Like I, it's <laughs> I um. You know, I'm not anti-alcohol. I drink uh, for sure. Um, I just think that the the culture surrounding uh, over drinking is way more toxic than like weed. You know, Mm. when you smoke too much weed, you just fall asleep. When you drink too much alcohol, you know, I've heard of people beating the shit out of their like girlfriends. Car accidents. yeah. yeah, car accidents, horrible fights, uh, you know, starting shit with people. It's just not like a positive kind of effect.
1: No. I got told um, this crazy story by the Africans who gave me the hash. They were like, apparently, because the, the, the supply chain in China is so hard to get, right? So what they That's do why is it's expensive, right? Yeah. It's
0: so expensive in
1: China. Yeah, so they, they trained a bunch of camels who would be able to walk from Mongolia to Russia and to Nalaport to automatically go to like outside somewhere in Beijing and just keep transporting because the police wouldn't stop a camel going to the border or a horse. And I'm like, that, that really? sounds really <laughs> fake. And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, that's how we get our stuff. Cause you know, you can't get it. Uh, if you have a human that you're gonna searched, but it's just a random wild horse or like a camel going outside to in Mongolia. You can just, you know, I'm like, that sounds really cool. If that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow. That's really crazy that they go through that. Um, like, a camel. Like, is there no, there's people not walking with the camel. It's just No, cam-
1: no. Because if you walk with the camel, the police will check you. But if it's just a random wild animal, like, eh, just the, you know, carrying a bunch of bags on his back, that's normal. <laughs> that's crazy. That's so wild. That's very
0: inventive. Yeah. I didn't know camels were that smart.
1: Well, they probably are. Uh, I'm not sure. It sounds like a lie, <laughs> but he was really adamant. And then his mate will okay. back him up. And I was like, you're joking me. He's like, no, no, this is actually legit how we make our life living here. I'm like, oh.
0: When did you live in China?
1: Um, I have I had two spurts. One when I was 18, because I was like, man, I'm going to become a tradie. And I started to get into uni. I got into it somehow. Anyway, that's when for like a few months. Then I went back and I was 2017, 18. Worked for Chinese, China Daily and Unis. Oh, you, worked
0: for the, you, worked, you got a job working for the like newspaper there.
1: Yeah, but they they were they were weird, man. Everyone there just wanted to migrate to America. So, they're really, so they don't I'm actually really didn't want anything negative America. about America because like
0: uh, like, you know, me and my my partner, I've been with him for 10 years. Uh, like we're like he's like my husband essentially. I mean, mm. he loves China. He's white, <laughs> mm. um, but he loves China and he's in many ways I feel like I am indebted to him for because, like five years ago, um, before I think I fully, I like had been radicalized or whatever. Um, he would argue with me about how great China was, and I would yell at him and I'd be like, "How could you say that? You know, my parents suffered through so much, and they did. There's no denial of that. Um, but uh, it's interesting to see how the have changed over time. And we've talked about moving to China, you know, if if things really don't work out here, uh, it's because of COVID or or whatever, we're like, let's, let's go there. And, you know, I have experience writing, but I always wondered, like, how you could get a job uh, not being an English teacher, like, and still work in China.
1: Well, yeah, if you, Honestly, the English teacher thing is quite uh, alluring because you get paid like ten or fifteen times more than the average person, <laughs> and you do really? jack in China. Yeah, I mean, if you're actually qualified and you go to a top school, you can get like paid thirty thousand a month um, RMB, of course, where you got mm-hmm. waiters being paid three thousand a month. <laughs> so you're living like a king. That's crazy. You get treated. That's so well. insane. But if you're not qualified, you can still get like 15,000 to 20,000, you know, working at like a kindergarten. you qualified? Like you have a TOEIC or like a TOEFL? TOEFL? yeah. And you actually have a bachelor's degree, you know, you're not just like some random You can dude. get a
0: job teaching English without a university degree?
1: Yeah, it's, it's illegal, but um, it, so many people do it. Um, I'm pretty sure like things. 86 was like some people did that. <laughs>
2: um so many people who
1: can barely write a sentence in english like a coherent sentence teaching english there or even russians (laughs) russians spanish any person as long as you're white you look white enough because they don't know what you're teaching like so you got you that's why you got so many people graduating from china who did english for like 13 years and they speak like everything's incorrect because they're being taught by some random russian guy who doesn't speak english either
0: well, I guess I'm also worried. Like, would they hire somebody like me who is
1: Chinese? But you get paid like, a lot less. So, wow, I met...
0: because of my identity,
2: even
1: though yeah. I have experience teaching English. So I met a guy. He's a Chinese, dude. 100 percent Chinese. You no know accent when he speaks English. Um, he speaks with a English accent because he studied in. Um, well, he's actually studied in Scotland, but he, you know, learned learned English in England. Um, he has a master's in education, a, I think a bachelor's in English. Um, he gets paid only as an assistant teacher because he's Chinese, while his boss is a American guy who has a bachelor's. He gets paid double his amount. Hey, <laughs> and I'm like, aren't you angry? He's like, nah, nah. that's just how its life is in China. i was like, what? <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah,
0: see, stuff like that really pisses me off. I don't like that about China. And I think um this sort of like internalized um like white you must you must have the best commanding like command of english i think is absurd because like in my experience when i when i taught in korea they don't do that in korea i mean like i also wasn't korean but i looked korean and by all just like looking at me there's nothing different between me and a korean teacher um but i had a canadian passport i went to university for english and i worked at a like i worked in public school like in a middle school so like that is better a better job than working at a
3: cram school a hagwon Uh, yeah
0: yeah a hagwon yeah exactly a hagwon is like worse hours and you get paid less and you get less vacation that's where the
1: um, unqualified teachers go basically yeah
0: exactly so but i worked two years at a middle school and all my co-teachers who were korean loved me they're like you're really good at teaching and explaining things because you had to learn english as a second language you can explain like why things are the way they are and students retain things a lot better when they understand the rules behind like ling- ling- linguistics. Yeah, And I mean, in my opinion, I think a Chinese person who grew up in the West, who speaks unaccented English, um, and but can also speak Chinese, that to me is like so much better than a white English speaker because I can explain to them in, English, in Chinese you know, in my limited Chinese, but I can at least communicate because in my second year teaching English in Korea, I learned Korean. I was taking Korean classes, uh, which is a rarity for English teachers. I don't know if it's like that in China, but it's definitely like that in Korea.
1: Very rare. No one loves Chinese. But
0: I I wanted to learn Korean. I liked the sound of Korean. I watched Korean TV and I thought it would be an asset. And after that you know i would sometimes use korean when i was teaching class and it helped me a lot it also helped me to gain uh um like a common language because it meant that there was something i shared in common with my students Mm. talk to my students about their favorite dramas or about their favorite variety show or their like favorite comedians and other people couldn't do that and in a way like i had lots of other problems like i'm not the most punctual person so i don't often show up late but like my school let me get away with that because they're like you're really good at your job
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i've explained um to just these kind of um you know feelings to all the chinese schools but the, the main issue is chinese parents themselves won't get be happy if they see an asian or even sometimes a black person teaching english to the kids because they think it's a fake teacher It's a liar, it's a scam. So there's a lot of, it's a lack of education in China itself on on this. I even get asked asked if I can speak English, um, even though um, I'm born in Australia, by Chinese people sometimes when I want to go to China because they assume that I can't speak English properly because I'm Chinese. It it just doesn't make any sense, yeah. That's so funny
0: because when I was in China on tour, this was my first time going to China without my family. Mm -hmm and nobody would speak to me in Chinese. Like all my, like all the promoters, all the club people, my like, uh, my tour manager that I went on this tour with, she like was my agent booker. Like she was my, she booked a lot of the shows for me we went together. She spoke Chinese. She was Chinese. Um, but like people would talk to me in English and I was like, I would talk <coughs> to them in Chinese and they're all like, Oh, Whoa, you can speak Chinese. So I feel like I, I think there's definitely a discrepancy between older generation and younger generation especially young-
3: and possibly the industry as well like yeah, exactly. entertainment industry or, or exactly. a, a progressive industry because yeah. the person yeah, that it, asked
1: if i could speak english was actually someone younger than me anyway that, that's <laughs> um i mean
0: uh, I, I i think people in china just have a very outdated perception of uh identity and what that means in a homogenous society versus uh heterogeneous society like they just it's like but i hope in the experience of this past year as you know i've just seen a huge influx of chinese accounts on twitter i can tell that like chinese people uh because of all this like new cold war shit, they're flooding um the western like kind of online spaces uh because they want to defend themselves but I hope that they're also able to gain a better understanding of the West um, and of what, like, diaspora people hundred percent,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the firewalls are really protected, I'd say Westerners. Um, in, Sorry? In, uh, it's really protected the Western view. So mm-hmm. a lot of people in China don't know the West perception of what China is. stuff great mm-hmm but now they're seeing it because so much negativity just seeking through. now. You can't even block it out. And also the Chinese government's allowing to seek through to you come know, up nationalism in a way as well. Yeah, I mean, they're reporting on it. I'm sure, yeah. I think Chinese government,
0: their MO for as long as I've been alive has been um, one of diversion um, giving like some, I mean, mo- all governments do this where they give you some kind of boogeyman for you to be upset at so that you wouldn't be critical of your own government yeah and i always remembered going to china and staying with my grandmother and she's always watching like the tv's always
1: on you know japanese all,
0: all the dramas are about japan all the dramas <laughs>
1: about the, the
0: war and I mean, at least
1: that's fair in a way because it's like they never that's apologize that's fair
0: but that's definitely fair but i'm like how much can you guys traumatize yourself over and over again
1: yeah it's you know it's like don't you get desensitized what did it make sense was the hate on taiwan a lot because there's a lot of pro-chinese taiwanese like pro-china taiwanese people who identify as chinese and i'm just Mm. like you know, like around a third to a uh, maybe forty percent of Ch- Taiwanese people in Ch- in Taiwan, like Chinese people, they identify as Chinese, and they like actually want to join you guys. If you guys just keep hating on them, that's going to make it worse, you know. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, it's 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 a cycle, right? That yeah. it's a vicious cycle. I actually, I I went to Taiwan uh, when I lived in Korea. I spent like like a vacation. It was a short vacation. It was like five days. I went with my friends, and I was nervous before going there. You know, like. I like, I mean, full disclosure, I do support Taiwanese independence, even though I don't like how people conduct themselves online and how much they're ramping up um, disinformation about China and how much they suck up to Pompeo and the US. I don't like any of that. But fundamentally, I do think based on the history of Taiwan, I do support
1: their independence. It was Mm -hmm. an indigenous. Like, like what, ind- what type of history? Sorry to ask.
0: Just that, like, there were indigenous people living there.
1: And yeah. I mean, I, I, I would support independence if it's for yeah. the indigenous for, people.
0: just, yeah, just the I don't hunt
1: Chinese people. grifters. Yeah, who just,
0: exactly. You know. um, it, it really is about context, right? Like,
1: yeah. uh, the nationalists went there and then, like, wiped out. So no, much. no, no. It wasn't the nationalists. It was actually the Hoklo people in the 1700s who went there and wiped them out. Oh, really? So, so the people that complain about the, that's why it's so disgusting, the Taiwanese independence movement. The actual genocidal maniacs, the Hoklos, are blaming on the nationalists. What the nationalists did, because if you look at the voting records, every single indigenous county votes 100% for the nationalist party every year. Mm-hmm. Because they hate the Hokko Hokkien's who have committed genocide against them for centuries not because of bribes, but yeah. Mm. Oh, interesting. So that's why I'm telling you the Western perspective of Taiwanese independence is so disgusting that they portrayed the Hoklos as being victims, short of victims in the 50s and 60s, because the nationalist rule, where the, the indigenous, the nationalists, and the haka even ganged up on the, on the Hoklo, who were the majority of the population, because they also mm. collaborated with the Japanese. Anyway, yeah, it, it's really angers me because um, the was like, oh, we're so poor. And but the thing is, they were—they have huge gangs beating up mainlanders. They have gangs beating up indigenous people. And they just pretend they're like the, the most um, victimized people in all of Taiwan, when in fact they own all the power now. And most of the mainlanders are really returned to mainland, you know, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Well, thank you for... Uh,
0: yeah. Me because I uh, was misled by uh, what I had read on the internet.
1: No, I, I used to support it as well, though I found it yeah. oh, true. Yeah, I
0: always thought like I didn't understand why people voted Kuomintang in Taiwan when Kuomintang is what like wiped out the the national like the the indigenous population because yeah. like um yeah anyway
1: yeah didn't do that they did they do they did do some horrible things to the Hoklo people, yes Hoklo people which is very yeah. true that's why is mm-hmm. never vote for coming down yeah oh interesting but yeah, i mean it's a yeah, very so very I, um deep issue in taiwan yeah it's There's very four generations deep. of it's hate very
0: occurred. yeah it's the the wounds go deep um i do think that like that is something that can't be I don't know if you can rectify that um and i don't have any like ide- idealist idea like ideas idealist ideas about the future of this bilateral kind of uh they're really like
1: yeah I, I, well originally in the 80s and 90s they were <laughs> taught that they were the real china so they, they need to reinvade at mainland but now since sort of the later half the 90s the 2000s to now, the, the history books have been changed by America because they didn't realize that Taiwan has no way of defeating China anymore. To become, we need to set up this identity of um, everyone is actually secretly never being Chinese. And it, it's it, it, the lack of historical understanding in Taiwan from the young generation is so um, how do I say depressing because a lot of them think that Ch- Chinese people, like they're literally not from China, even though 97% of the population are it's so depressing uh, yeah and I think like oh we actually yeah. invented Chinese characters and stuff it's just like what's going on here <laughs> well
0: I actually um, I met uh, a Chinese uh, Canadian person recently who yeah. um, uh, who had made, made this comment in passing because I was complaining about how hard it is to read traditional Chinese and um she was saying to me like well that's the real chinese i mean that makes more sense than simplified chinese um because uh you know because chinese is just characters are made up of like smaller characters it, it, it's sort of like how english is made up of like prefixes and suffixes and and root words and things like that she said that uh because a lot of the language. i mean i don't know if this is true or not but because it had been as simplified, that it lost some of the, the root, um, or like words and, and it's no longer as, um, sort of intuitive to write out that she was trying to say that traditional Chinese is more intuitive than, uh, simplified Chinese. Yeah, And, uh, I was like, okay, well, that may be true but um it's still harder to read
1: <laughs> it, it, it's not it's not it doesn't work it's just like in korea where king sejong made um hangul um so it, it's he allowed everyone in korea to be able to read it's just like yeah, what, exactly sort
0: of and finance. he's a hero yeah. in korea because yeah. he's able to i mean they have one of the highest literacy rates in the world i learned how to read korean in a day you yeah. know it's it's not hard you just have to memorize what each of the uh, parts it's
1: just an need. alphabet yeah. it's
0: an alphabet yeah and um, it's interesting sometimes when I talk to Chinese people or like my family like I think I brought this up with my with my stepmom and she kind of like made this like um, derisive comment about how like oh they simplified it like it's bad I'm like well why is that bad why is that a bad thing why so, does like
1: this so is, the reason, sorry to interrupt, um, why that happened is because the, the reason, one of the main ways to actually move up in China, Chinese society was doing exams um, in the old days. And mm-hmm. the one thing that was bringing the, the working class or the, or the peasant class from going up into the society was that it couldn't read because it was so difficult. Mm-hmm. So basically, by simplifying it, it destroyed the last bastion of the gentry class who were able to control of China gentry scholar class because they were able to read and write. So that's why Mao simplified mm-hmm. it. And this is, it really angered a lot of the KMT people or the Taiwanese, because a lot of those people, their descendants went to Taiwan. So well, that was I mean, their power yeah. base. Yeah,
0: That's the thing about China is that traditional Chinese culture is very stratified. It is very elitist and extremely patriarchal. And mm. I think there are some people that in my limited, uh, just Experience of seeing people come talk about this online. I think there are a lot of people in Taiwan who believe that they're like the one true, like China. they're true, true Chinese people. Yeah, We're not. Yeah, that's. Oh, it's dwindling now.
1: Now they think yeah. they're like some super weird, um, made up race that somehow just st- stood there and no one died. Anyway, um, I think we'll wrap it up for today. It's nearly two hours. Okay. We've, okay. It's really good to have you on, um, Cindy, and I think. Regu- yeah, great chat. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. I
1: hope I was like. know um, it's very interesting. Yeah. Or anything.
0: Um, I, I'm thinking back to the fact that I had said that I hated the sound of Cantonese. I'm worried that I'm going to get dragged.
1: No, I said that <laughs>
0: before. Uh,
2: You Eu